but it is hard. You know, we do, especially now that we have a son, um, you know, it, it is hard to go to work and, you know, when you go into the office, you have to go through criticisms and you have to have each other, you mm -hmm. present an idea and there's, it's never going to be a hundred percent awesome all the time. So I think the biggest challenge is, is you put on armor to go to work. It doesn't matter whether you're in our industry or any industry, because that is just part of your life yeah. is that you have to be able to deal with the hills and valleys of work. And I think the toughest thing to do is then to come home and take the armor off and just be vulnerable with each other as a normal married couple. There is a depth and a breadth to our lives that largely goes unexplored. As an equestrian life mindset coach and host of this podcast, I am here to lead you on that exploration. Deep conversations covering topics in and out of the show ring with industry leaders and unsung heroes alike sharing their stories and what makes their journey unique but relatable at the same time. We all have stories to share and lessons to trade something we've learned from a horse or from each other. So relax and be ready to listen with more than just your ears. I'm Tracy Mitchell. Welcome to Hitting Your Stride. Imagine living a life that you didn't initially plan for, but one that offers you all you could have wanted. A rewarding career, a supportive spouse, friends and business associates around the world, and the chance to treat yourself to lots of adventures. I've just described the life that Ashley and Kevin Maxey of Struck Apparel share, and as guests on this episode of Hitting Your Stride, we get into some really interesting conversations about why they work so well together, their deep-rooted passion for equestrian sport, and the desire to make it more inclusive, and how they each had a moment where choosing to pivot led them to where they are now. It hasn't been all smooth sailing, but you'll hear how Ashley and Kevin learned and grew from mistakes to become better at their business and their lives. The journey to here for Struck and the Maxis has been compelling, and it's exciting to see what comes next for this dynamic couple, best friends with a shared vision. So get ready to hear about their gratitude for their experiences and each other as we welcome the Maxis to Hitting Your Stride. Well, welcome, Kevin and Ashley Maxey, to uh, Hitting Your Stride. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, Thank you for having us. Yeah, very thanks. excited. Thank you for having us, Tracy. Yes, I always look forward to these conversations, especially you entrepreneurs, because I love to uh, find out how you br the brains tick and you develop something out of nothing, <laughs> right? So... Here we go. All right, let's just dive right into this. I want to get into something that you have on your website that says struck is not about tradition. For a sport that has a long history that is steeped in traditions, can you tell me about your thinking with that statement? Yeah, go for it. I'll let you go. I, okay. Um, so it's not that we don't love tradition. What we do love about the sport is the horses and yeah. I think it's what brings us all into this and I don't think we should downplay that so that's not the sort of tradition we're talking about it good horse care the love of competing with horses training working with horses and we'd love to see where it came from and honoring the roots for sure yeah but in terms of our perspective in apparel we think there was a lot of room for improvement on sort of the aesthetic of the sport. And we realize, okay, the cavalry tradition and whatnot was great, but we're a long way removed from a mounted cavalry at this point. And to see it move into the 21st century and start to appeal to a wider audience, maybe making how we present ourselves as equestrians a little more relatable um, to the average sports fan. You know, maybe we're not going to appeal to Mr. or Mrs. NASCAR, however, like there are people who I am sure would be interested and in. it would be nice for them to be able to see athletes on TV, for example, and be able to tell them apart rather than having them all in identical outfits with dark helmets on and not being able to tell one rider apart from the other. So that's really what started us thinking about this. Like if we were Nike and Nike said, I want to make horse sports cool, 
what would I do? How would I dress these people up a little bit differently? And we are making inroads that we're way. Trying, right? We're trying. We're yeah. trying. Yeah. I love that statement. I love that question you posed because I think that just totally switches the flip or flips the switch on how mm -hmm. you're thinking about it, right? Because most people who might not be equestrians, but they can relate to Nike and what their goal is. Yeah. 100%. And then there's no doubt, like the sport has changed. It has come from cavalry traditions with a purpose and military basis. And it is very much a sport now. And we haven't seen the same evolution in our apparel. You know, nothing screams athlete at you when you walk into a blazer and a tie. Yeah, exactly. Like we have ties and a jacket. And the average person can't relate to someone on a horse as an athlete and primarily because of their clothing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Interesting. So, and I love this too. You each bring something unique to Struck. Kevin, you have a more scientific mind while Ashley, yours is more rooted in fashion and design. Can you tell me how you found a way to mesh those two ways of thinking into what the company has become? Ashley? Yeah, I think, you know, I don't think it was a conscious, conscious meshing to say. It was a pretty organic journey. So Kevin and I, when we began dating, Struck didn't start very long after we started seeing each other. And it was really evident that Kev, although he tends towards science and mathematics, he is quite creative. And although my strengths are in more art and design, I do think quite scientifically and business-like numbers are not my forte, but the rest I'm pretty good at. Business strategy is very good. And it just kind of came together naturally. I wish there was more of like a method to our madness, but it just worked. Like if Kev had an amazing idea, it was easy for me to sketch it out. And if I was trying to portray something about a business method or like, um, a business model that Kev could quickly interpret my ideas. And then it mm -hmm. sort of just flowed that way really easily. I think, yeah, and it's communication. Uh, not keeping our thoughts to ourselves, really. Okay, we talk a lot, yeah. you know, just driving around and doing life. Yeah. But, you know, we speak to each other and like when we have ideas, we share them. And then, you know, ideas iterate they you know stew away in somebody's brain overnight or over the course of a year and then you know you can verbalize it to each other a little bit and that's how interesting things come about like we share our ideas we don't try to work in silos we work together i think too really... it's really sorry to talk over here no. i think too it's really interesting and what i have found more so is whenever you are strong at something you do tend to follow a certain pattern of that you tend to get tunnel vision even if you're trying to think outside the box you do tend to follow the same formula to get somewhere where having someone who we value each other's strengths that if i'm thinking of something and i can't quite get it down on paper or i have an idea for something someone who isn't necessarily rooted in that strength can come up with a often amazing idea that you could have never thought of and then we can just breaking you out of the box yeah 100 percent. and it's often is the case of us is we'll get stuck in our respective areas and we'll have a conversation about it and usually one will be like oh well we could do it this way and it's totally wouldn't have occurred to the other to do it that way and then we just mm -hmm. work it out together it yeah that's so cool yeah. so the word that keeps popping into my brain as you guys were talking was the word intuition would you say that a lot of your directions that you've taken or individually that you have with your strengths, that a lot of it is intuitive as to what comes to mind and where you take it? I think for yeah. sure a lot of it is intuitive and in some, at least the genesis of whatever direction or idea that we strike off with can be a bit intuitive to start where that intuition comes from i think could be of great debate it's whether it's something we've read or seen or a discussion we've had either amongst ourselves or with other people sure. and like there's a germination that then seems quite intuitive but whether you can actually call that intuition i'm not sure and then after that you have to apply a little bit of logic and analysis to it before you jump down a giant rabbit hole and Mm -hmm. end up 
you know, on a different planet, but you know, you have to like measure some things and say, okay, like, is this a risk worth taking? And, you know. And I think we're both so involved in the sport actively. Like we both, both still compete. We watch every event we possibly can. I started in eventing. So I have like a good rooted history there. Kev is a show jumper and we both love the sport so much that I think it feels intuitive, but really we just immerse ourselves in so many aspects of it that it comes naturally because you love it. So that's, that's probably one of the biggest strengths you could have right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Okay. So Kevin, you were just months away from your PhD in advanced (laughs) mathematics when you followed a different tangent. Do you remember what it was like going through that decision process? Was there any doubt you were making the right choice for yourself? I I think there was lots of doubt. It was a bit like running away to join the circus. Um, It wasn't a straight line from mathematics and academics into struck. Actually, there was a sojourn as a professional show jumper for several years. Um, so I actually, it was 2005. I was most of the way through my PhD comps were done, everything. I was working on the thesis and research and writing by that point. Um, and an opportunity came up to ride with an Olympian in the U S Joe Fargis, who was double gold in Los Angeles on a great horse, um, touch of class. And he mentioned I was down visiting a friend in Virginia and he said, would you be interested in coming down and riding with me for the winter? And I thought about it for a little while. I hadn't been thrilled with my PhD program up until that point. I had stayed from, continued from a master's into a PhD with the same department and advisor and thought, this wasn't necessarily for me at the time. So was already on the fence about seeing it through to completion. Um, And this was the catalyst that literally I ran away to join the circus and ended up staying there for a while and learned a lot, show jumped a lot, really enjoyed it, came back to Canada, ran a business. And then realizing that I would, that I do have skills beyond just riding and training, which I love still to this day, but that I'd like to build, give more back to the sport. There are a lot of very good riders and trainers and horsemen out there that maybe there's something more I could do. So it did spur me to stop riding professionally and go back and do an MBA. And this was sort of the next stop after my MBA. So business and horses, so passion with a bit of education and background and yeah, Ashley and I, Ashley was a very good sport because I was very excited about the idea, which she thought was a little bit ludicrous at the beginning. Um, But she is also a lot of the skill behind it. Um, Yeah. It just, it was an, sorry, go ahead. Oh, it just, it was a bit of really happenstance. We had, recently begun seeing each other and yeah again it was something that you know lightning strikes a little bit yeah that way it was a great idea we thought we thought it was a yeah, great idea we thought it was a great idea and then we're like let's do a bit of research and to see if other people would think it's a great idea yeah. too that's a little bit the intuition you think it's a great idea is it okay yeah i would like some nike pants for riding is somebody else doing that that would be the next question so we you know we actually snuck into a trade show uh, before we ever had a company just to go see like, if maybe it's out there and it's just not coming to Canada or the US and we don't see it. Maybe it is everywhere and nobody's thought to import it yet. But Or maybe people have tried it and there was a reason why it's not a thing. So yeah. we, we did a little bit of like, we spent a little bit of time researching yeah. as best as you can, I think. A little guerrilla research. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that you know, that is sort of how we've done a lot of things. And for sure, there's doubt whether it was like leaving a PhD program or starting struck, like you always have, you know, thoughts of self-doubt, like, am I crazy? Is this ridiculous? Well, but, you are crazy, but just like, well, yeah, no. Crazy for crazy. Taking this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's a little bit the journey. Um, so were the breaches the first product line? Yes. 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 Tight pants. Um, And we actually started 
the idea of it predominantly for men actually because Kev came home wearing a very very tight pair of like hunter green tailors tailors actually but they were too small oh. and but Kev was like that was the only thing that was in my in my size in quotations and on the rack, and on the rack. In the store. so we originally started with the idea of saying like there has to be a more sporty option for men a better option for men because yeah. historically we know how many men we lose in the sport from beginning grassroots level at least in north america up to the more competitive levels because it isn't regarded as a masculine sport often in North America. And we really wanted to change that perception. We wanted boys, instead of soccer or football, like stay in horses. Like yeah. it is a really badass sport. And, it is, and it's yeah. really a perception sort of thing. And it not to criticize the hunter aesthetic or whatnot, but guys are maybe less attracted generally to a subjective sport that they can't measure in goals or yards or faults oh. and show jumping time allowed like horse it's sports have all of those things but it's hard to tell one from the other and when they everybody dresses the same and looks the same what are they all doing like how do you really from a guy's perspective it's harder to see that yeah and so it did start with the idea, okay, how do we make this more appealing to guys? How can we make them look a little more masculine? And, and give them an option because there are not story. a ton of options yes. out there for men. Far fewer in North America. Given the demographics of the sport. And, and it costs a lot of money to create clothing and retailers to buy them and have them sitting on racks. So there's less incentive for a retailer than to hold a lot of inventory for men because you don't know when the next mail is going to come into the store and purchase so we we started with there and then obviously because the sport in north america is like 85 percent women 90 percent women it was the natural progression to do it and we started with breeches specifically because it is the one clothing piece of clothing that is important to or uh, specialized for our sport yeah it's can... a technical piece of clothing really like if you're going to do horse english horse sports mm -hmm. you're going to wear breeches and whether they're knee patch or full, full seat or whatever your grip option is you need pants that protect you while you're straddling a horse and they're specialized you can right? get away you could buy just a button-down shirt and a blazer at moors or whatever as a guy and still show up looking kind of like you're dressed for the sport but you can't go buy like a pair of levi's or something or white pants and try to pawn them off as equestrian specific like they won't be comfortable they won't work well and it's just going to be a really unfortunate experience for the wearer <laughs> absolutely wow yeah a lot of thoughts gone into that and i don't think it's something that the average person would think about you know like even maybe your average male rider it wouldn't be to the forefront of his brain who's ever a, a new client of yours until you present it to them because I think it is so new and often doesn't get thought of the way you guys have thought it through yeah and it's nice and we get some of that feedback like from we have enough men riders who reach out specifically to tell us what they think just because they're excited that we make stuff for men and a lot of our retailers do stock it thankfully so it's available to them and they're excited that there is something marketed towards them but also that really works well for them and mm -hmm. is comfortable and they feel good pulling out of the closet to go ride and wear this stuff and I think okay like I'm glad we can help yeah awesome <laughs> yeah yeah exactly Okay, so Ashley, your bio said that you felt the time was right to move riding apparel forward. In your mind, what were the key elements that were ripe for change? And what gave you the confidence to lead that charge forward? So I think starting with the male perspective of it, um, when we were chatting about what we would love to see in the sport for men wearing, and then obviously moving it over to a female demographic, we really talked about the evolution of athleisure in North America in general, with the emergence of Lululemon and bringing yoga from like a very, you know, hippie sort of small underground 
um, athletic pursuit to now a mainstream, you know, everyone was doing yoga, everyone was trying it, it was a community. And then we saw the emergence of tennis and golf from a really, I wanna say luxury hobby, um, like an affluent country club hobby to sponsorable mainstream sports where crowds increased, people's consumption of it increased on TV as well as like participating. And the main driver of all of this was the clothing that people were wearing. We saw Under Armour's emergence into the sport as well as Nike's into tennis and golf. And really, even as someone who wouldn't enjoy tennis and golf, the average person knows one or two good spokesmodels from each sport. And we really thought yeah. that thinking what say the Williams sisters, like yeah. how they've pushed the envelope in apparel and what Nike has made for them in what was a very traditional sport, like, like white sweater, skirts. white skirt and a sweater knotted around your neck sort of thing into something with a lot of spandex, like the occasional ruffle, but color and technical materials that really like showed that these people are sweating That's and what I was just going to say, it's not like, oh, let's get my tennis ball. It's like you are an athlete and so much of that. Yeah. You is pay your dues and sweat equity. But it's rolled into be being a feminine athlete, I think, mm -hmm. is that it is still feminine to be like hardcore. And a lot of that comes from the clothing and it's so rolled into each other. But the overwhelming trend was we changed what they wore, which then spoke to your average person to give it a try. And then with Lululemon's emergence into stretch, comfort, movement, leggings, now you were seeing so many more people paying attention to the fabrics that it went into not just specialized sports apparel, but everyday clothing. Mm -hmm. And so then the technology, I think that was available to North American clothing companies or research was so much more widespread and available to us that it gave us the sort of excitement to go and research to see what was out there that we could incorporate into our more traditional sport mm -hmm. um and confidence wise moving forward that is a toughie because i am like totally on the i wouldn't say pessimistic but i'm definitely not as like raw raw charge forward as kev so kev kind of gave me the confidence to go forward because anytime that i would be like ah, oh, this isn't good enough i'm a perfectionist by nature and anytime I'd be like, this isn't good enough, Kev's like, yeah, it is. And it was really like- I'm Very excitable. <laughs> and so, yeah, it was- But sometimes you have to throw a few things at the wall and see what sticks yeah. and, you know, iterate. So put something out there, see what the feedback's like. Hopefully it doesn't blow up and then make it better the next time. And that's something we've continued. Calculated risks. Like yeah. don't, make, don't make a mistake that- you know will be fatal, but you can't learn unless you do make mistakes. And if you saw the yeah. first pair of pants that we ever put out to the clothing that we put out now, like yeah. it is shockingly- Yeah, not from the same planet. No, but that'd at the time- really, That'd be really cool to see actually. Yeah. We have all of our original like sample models and stuff like all tucked away in boxes. Wow. This year- Anniversary, yeah, anniversary. anniversary at the Royal Winter Fair, we will probably like brought out like a little bit of 10 years of evolution of Struck, I think would be a yeah, lot of fun. Yeah, so much fun. Yeah, that is awesome. First samples, which are terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> well, and and they, were, they were cool. We were very excited for them. Like everything is, changes in hindsight. But, yeah. Well, I but, think what you guys, sorry, if, I think what you guys said about, um, you know, especially being a perfectionist as well, I can I can say yes, that sometimes it stops you from making those moves forward because you feel like it needs to be perfect. But then I love what the fact you said, you got to throw something against the wall, you see if it sticks, and that there's no such thing as a failure. It's just relearning how to do it a different way that works. 100%. And I think having the two of us together, I would say has been very much the key to our success because yes. when one of us fails it's generally rare that you're both enormously failing at the same time 
So if I have a bad day that something didn't quite work out or, you know, we've had to face something unexpected, generally the other one is there to be like, it's okay, tomorrow's another day. And okay, have been watch out when we're both having a bad day, but thank God it is- That's pretty rare. Rare. <laughs> awesome. And this is actually a good lead into my next question. Obviously you have a balance in your relationships as a married couple and business partners. What are the ways you find those relationships get tested the most and how have you learned to deal with them? Yeah. Do you want me to start on this one? <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, really early on into the relationship, we sort of had a very brief, dis I wouldn't say brief, sorry, in-depth discussion about working together when this started to become a little bit more of a realistic um, business venture for us. And Kev was also coaching me riding, which definitely had its tough moments. And we had a discussion about it that said like, if any of this ever gets in our way and we cannot resolve it, that our relationship will always come first. Thankfully, it has never really gone to that point. We still, Kev still coaches me and uh, we're still working together, obviously. And we're still married. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but it is hard, you know, we do, especially now that we have a son, um, you know, it it is hard to go to work. And, you know, when you go into the office, you have to go through criticisms and you have to have each other, you mm -hmm. present an idea and there's, it's never gonna be 100% awesome all the time. So I think the biggest challenge is, is you put on armor to go to work. It doesn't matter whether you're in our industry or any industry, because that is just part of your life yeah. is that you have to be able to deal with the hills and valleys of work. And I think the toughest thing to do is then to come home and take the armor off and just be vulnerable with each other as a normal married couple. Um, mm -hmm. And it, I would love to say it's intuitive for us, but it's not. You both have to, we do find times where you're just like, okay, this is not work related. If we had a bad day at work, don't let it carry over into when we leave the office or when we're in the car together or when we go to the barn. And sometimes it does like realistically. Sometimes yeah, it no, does. Nothing's perfect, but you know, at least we're aware of it and like try to like if one or the other, we try to catch ourselves. Like if, you know, work tension or stress is spilling over into our relationship, you say, wait a second, is this something we're actually upset about? Or is this work? Like, can we, like identify it and say, all right, what is actually bugging me right now? Is it us or is it work or what is getting a, like somebody's knickers in a knot really? Yeah. And then try to, again, talk about it, like communicate, communicate what is bugging you or, and that you have to be able to do that. And I think just being very aware that that is always going to be a challenge that it will never be easy and it will never become second nature. You will never get to a point where, you know, the office and your home and everything blends seamlessly. And there will always be times that you carry problems home. And just like your average person, I think the benefit that we have though is often we get to see, we're almost always together all day. So we can see when someone's day is unraveling and we can step in a little earlier to be like, I know you had a hard day. So, we're either going to make it easier on you or we'll talk about it. Ashley does try to make me feel better. You do make me feel better too. Yeah. Um, but Guys, I think this yeah, is it's just being. A... <laughs> I love this. But, and I think sharing also because we both have horses. And I think then knowing that when we go to the barn together, it sort of resets us. Yeah. And like, really, it does. And we try to, we almost never discuss work at the barn unless it's like inspiration. And I think that yeah. helps a lot too. Yeah. There's always time to do the other hard stuff when we're in the office and whatnot and sitting at our desk or even discussing in the car, which we do yeah, a lot. Tons. Because we drive a lot. But um, at the barn, like, we try to, we're there because it's our passion and we want to enjoy it. And, enjoy time with our horses and with Eames, our son who gets who runs around the barn like a maniac right now. But um, it is our time away from some of those stresses. Oh. Yeah. Oh. I think 
I just love that. I just love your whole description and sharing of how you maneuver your relationship because that can be, there's so many little irons in the fire coming from every direction and you two are best friends and you know, it's, you have those moments of inspiration and then there's those moments of reality that I think it's awesome that you've taken the shock and awe out of those bad days because you know each other so well that there's no reason to like get your back up you just talk about it it's life would be so much better if we all took that approach yeah yeah okay well great mm -hmm. yeah and I think knowing that it communication is work and yeah. we're happy to do it yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what is the greatest sense of joy you get out of having created struck and fostered its growth over the years. That's pretty easy. Yeah, I think it's seeing people wear the clothing and being happy about it. Excited like, about it. Yeah, whether it's kids at a pony club rally and, you know, they're just like so pleased doing what they love while wearing our stuff or seeing somebody like trot into the ring at the Olympics and you say, oh my God, there's our logo and think that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, yeah, that is something that never gets old or tiring we are always excited to see people just wearing our clothes that yeah you know have... I still feel like a kid in a candy store wherever we walk in somewhere and we don't know who's who it is that's wearing it and you're like oh my god there it is yeah. and it literally quite embarrassing actually yeah 100 percent. and I think getting then to meet so many people that like as I don't come from a horsey background and I've always enjoyed the sport and then getting to see people that you know names of the big names and you're like oh my gosh and then to see them wearing your clothing and actually being so excited about it like that never gets old that is always just like as exciting as day one. Wow yeah and you it's guys yeah you guys are worldwide are you not like you're in Europe and all that stuff too? Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are correct. Yeah, we have, we incorporated a company two, three years ago now. During COVID, yeah. During COVID in Holland. So there is a Struck Apparel EU um, that does our sales and distribution there. And we warehouse a bunch of inventory there to service the European market. We just started a new distributor in Australia. Okay who's doing Australia and New Zealand for us. We, we have stores in the Middle East. We're opening one in Saudi Arabia in the fall. Um, yeah, so there's a bit of struck everywhere now. Yeah. Like, it's kind of cool. Like, we can fly to Europe now and we can go to almost any show and we'll see some struck there. And we, again, get very excited and fangirl a little bit and go chase down the riders say oh my gosh where did you get it from and it's amazing like it's cool they heard about it from a friend and they found it in a store somewhere or they'd come to the u.s now they can get it in europe pretty easily but yeah. um yeah it's fun to go do that yeah total goosebump moments here i'm just like whoa i couldn't imagine that's very exciting so how do you two find time so, to yeah. enjoy yeah, your okay. lives yeah. outside of what you've built? Self-care is more important these days than it has ever been. How are you able to carve out time to enjoy what's most important to you? I think I think it's a little bit easier and harder for us sometimes. I want to say easy because I think we're really blessed in running the company together that we get to see each other all the time. So I think mm -hmm. one of the biggest struggles for people when they have families and they have very busy careers is that if your career gets busy, often you're sacrificing seeing your partner or your family, which we don't have to deal with that. We get to yeah. see each other all the time. And our son is free to come to the office because, you know, it's our building. So if he's sick, he can hang out in the office and we can take care of him. But I think that is what we enjoy is spending time together so we try and make sure that when we have to do something businessy that we also then incorporate something enjoyable kevin and i both love to travel so when we go to trade shows or we go to special events or shows we take time to go see i started in art history and architecture and uh 
So we love, we both love cathedrals and architecture. So we take time to go and do a bit of sightseeing yeah. and not necessarily do ourselves related. a flak day or two when we travel to make sure that we do see something not business related. Go see like a random town that you would have never run into, but it's somewhere in between where we've been and where we're going. And is it, why don't we stop there and like find a cute restaurant and have like little side adventures that just break up like the go, 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 which we do have enough of for yeah. sure. But or go watch a horse show as just like just obviously we love the sport, but just watch some classes as just a spectator and not just yeah. run around only doing business. Yeah. And just travel in general both feeds our soul. And I think we've structured our lives in a way that allows for travel and allows for travel together. So it's not like I'm going on a work trip. And Kev has to stay home. Like we try and both go whenever possible. And now that our son is old enough to accompany us, we he's gonna come along too. Yeah. And I think that we are really lucky in that way, as well as we both ride and we both make sure that it is very important. We make time for it. Yeah. And you have to plan time. And I think for so many people, they do go into careers for so many people who love horses. It is all consuming, but it is very easy then to get lost in your job and then not have time to go and spend time at the barn. And we make sure that that is very much incorporated into our entire business mm -hmm. ethos is that this is why we do it is because we love the horses yeah. and we, and when we ride, we're wearing our clothing. Like yeah. We have something may work, something may not work. So it's a little product development when we go to the barn which seems like a bit of a cheat but it you know it is why we got into this in the first place so we don't want to sacrifice that just for the sake of growing the business so yeah we do make time for the barn and we both make a little bit of time for extracurriculars like we do take um like two days to go up to the cottage and enjoy something that is totally unrelated to horses as well because it can become all consuming and whenever you're around horses or horse people you know you're always reminded of like I should do this or I could be doing this or they're speaking to you about something that you know in the business and disappearing like by the water and just taking a few days to unplug from a cell phone and your computer and just enjoy each other or your friends and mm -hmm. just make sure that that is like really we don't get to do it often but we try to really make sure that that at least gets incorporated on a fairly regular basis yeah it's, it definitely that sounds very well thought out and very um reasonably approached with it too um i know too being a horse person i mean you can see behind me there's horses everywhere and what i do outside of like the life coaching and the massaging you're right i mean when you love it and you're totally entrenched in it it's weird to step away from it for a day or two yeah yeah and i think it can also i think it i think it people are more aware now than ever about mental burnout and I think when you're doing something that you love, you can then easily make excuses to keep doing it when really you do need to say like, okay, it is really time to put work away, but making sure that you're aware of that. And if you are, I think it becomes easier to say like, all right, even though we went to a horse show, it wasn't just for us to horse show. It was dealing with so much. Now it's time to just like go to the cottage or go to a restaurant together or something mm -hmm. where it's just quiet nothing you can't yeah. get involved in business even if you tried yeah and I think that is really important well yeah. I think what you've just shared is a public service announcement that everybody needs to hear especially as we're <laughs> we're like heading full steam into this show season now too everybody's just totally focused on all of that so yeah okay how did you develop Struck's social and environmental conscience? And what does it feel like to stand up and say that sustainably made garments can be high quality and long lasting? I think that's a, a partly necessity. Like we didn't start with a ton of money and just running overseas to buy a bunch of stuff made 
in China and then importing it. Like we started locally on a budget. Because we didn't know how to do it. Yeah, we didn't know how to do it. So we started close to home. So at least we could watch our mistakes happen in front of us, which was exciting. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we're not like, we're aware of waste, like, especially when you're watching it being made in Toronto in like our current factory, we've been there for seven years now. Like we see when like there's waste and it's really compelling. It's a little bit like people knowing where their food comes from, but knowing where your clothes come from and what goes into that, like yeah. is really a compelling story and being able to walk the floor and see what gets cut off. Like there's always waste in cutting, but you know, you say, okay, well, to mitigate that, maybe we adjust our numbers of what we make so we don't overproduce things that then we'd either have to sell or give away or whatever. Um, really trying to be aware of like making enough that people are happy, but not so much that, you know, we're discarding it or people are throwing it out after putting a year. on sale to just get rid yeah. of it. And the same thing, choosing the inputs, choosing higher quality inputs that are more expensive for sure to get, but that are going to last longer and people are going to have hanging in their closets and using time and again for years rather than, you know, on a year's time scale rather than a month's time scale, like, which you get a lot with fast fashion and you know, you can wear it four or five times, but after that it's going to blow up or you're not going to want to pull it out because it looks a bit ratty. Mm -hmm. Like we don't want to make clothing like that, that doesn't make sense for what's going on in the world. And it's not and, our personal ethos, I don't think. And I think it also has a lot to do with like how we feel about fashion and I think society in general that, you know, we love good quality clothing mm -hmm. and, you know, we are very anti-fast fashion in general because of the wastage idea or just like something that's not quite great, but you wear it once and you don't care about getting rid just of it. Just for like, the look. Like, I'm going to wear this one outfit and then get rid of it. I'd rather have something like it may not limits, but you can't do maybe as wild a thing as yeah. if it's going to be a staple product for sure. So it's not going to have like 18 rows of bling that would only be popular in may 2024 for five days like it's got to be something that is a bit timeless at times like you know so we're careful with colors we pick we've certainly made mistakes in colors we've picked we but picked bolder colors that pick are more bolder staples. colors but then makes it will appeal to people but don't make a bazillion of them so you know we can always make a lot of beige and a lot of white and a lot of black but we make you were of a bright color, but we yeah. know we'll sell what we make. And so. I think too, you know, we're active, like Kevin's parents have a farm and we live in the heart of Ontario where we're watching farmland disappear and we're watching industrial farming of like our meat and everything. Like we are living in this climate where everyone is very environmentally aware. And although it's a small part, if we can do our part, it is, a no-brainer for us really is just incorporated into it we don't necessarily it's not part of our business like it's not something we advertise a ton we didn't set out to be known as like the sustainable clothing company in equestrian apparel but it was just something that felt so natural that we just should yeah. incorporate it as an environmentally responsible yeah. company and people and for our horses like we have on our mailers all of our mailers are compostable when we set ship out breaches to people and it says like let's keep our pastures green for our horses and really mm -hmm. that's what we would love to do like we can't enjoy our sport if you know we're we don't There's exist no or, or we can't have pasture like it just yeah. it makes sense to us wow yeah. listening to you two as you're sharing that you know i I feel sometimes people put that out there where, you know, environmentally friendly because it's what people want to hear now. But listening to you two, that is who you are. Your, your product is an extension of your beliefs and your values. And I just think that makes what you're doing that much more amazing. It's, it's, you know, and as like, again, taking it to the couple and how much time you spend together. So yeah, no, it's very exciting. Now, just one question. Do you guys just um, have your products for like the hunter jumpers or do you have breaches for dressage riders as well? 
we do have some breaches for dressage riders. It has been a small bone of contention that we have been, we did release an initial batch of dressage pants. Mm -hmm. So full seat breaches with lots of grip. The grip was not the best. This is going back four years, five More years, that, yeah. five years at least. And yeah. we were displeased with how they performed. So we went back to the drawing board as we do and found a better solution for the grip. And again, we are made in Toronto. So we're a little manufacturing constrained. So we do have one color of dressage breeches on hand at the moment. Um, so if you can have any color you want, so long as it's black, uh, we do have a couple of more colors in production, but trying to fit them in amongst the higher demand, what we're known for. And we sell a lot of to and keep our the company, home, like market, because our we are home market, which is show jumping, hunter jumper world, really. Um, it has been a challenge to make sure it gets out the door as quickly as we would like, but they are, yes, we do. Short answer, yes. Okay. And with plans of growing our dressage line, as well as specializing a bit more, we have some ideas for more specialized eventing clothing. Um, yeah. But again, it, they're a sweaty bunch. Yeah, it comes down to we're still all locally made, which in Canada, the garment industry, especially when you're working with stretch technical textiles, is not a huge industry. So it has been a bit of a hurdle for us to continue to upkeep with our numbers growing overseas. Yeah. Our manufacturing options have been limited here. Yeah. So that is something we're working on actively. actively. Yeah. Can. all the logistics of things yes i know i yes. know all the background stuff. yeah <laughs> all right guys so last question here what is something that has been a part of your individual journeys that you are grateful for that has given you a new or altered perspective on what it means to work with work at something you love with the person you love the most would you like me to go or you to yeah, go? Yeah, you go first. Oh, yeah. okay. Okay. I'll take the I'll easy one. You, that... I want to know what you're saying. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what to think when we were going to work together, how it would be as being a relationship and riding together and working together, but we have made it work. And I think what, at least for me, has made it like even better is that we get to adventure together. Like mm. we are not shy about doing some pretty random stuff, but going on, like whether it's a river rafting adventure that goes from like Gilligan's Island, three hour tour to 10 hours being lost in the dark with a friend on the Credit River. Or, or going to Paris for a horse show at the end of our honeymoon. Yes. Yeah. But taking like little asides in like, you know, your daily journey through the world and like trying something a little bit off the wall or just really random. Like you see a hole in the wall restaurant and say, well, we need to eat. Why don't we try that rather than going with the safe option? Like, I love that about what we do. It is one of the things I love the most is that we adventure together and we like push each other, like not push, but like encourage each other to try something out of our comfort zones a little mm -hmm. bit. Like I would not normally choose to go in an inner tube down the credit river but it sounded like a great idea and it was <laughs> sold well to me thank you um but like encouraging to try new things and go see you know just random stuff and try something new that we wouldn't have done like solo I think has really made the journey that much more interesting and exciting it gives us odd little stories to tell when you know we're sitting around at the cottage or something or at a horse show, you know, passing yeah. the time. Yeah. And I, I think mine is sort of a same lines. Like we get to do everything together, which I think, I think for some people for sure, absolutely would not be their ideal situation, but for us, it really works. And I think the most amazing thing that's kind of come out of it is a, that after we've been together for 11 years mm -hmm. at the end of this year, and that we honestly don't, a day doesn't pass that we don't call each other if we're not in the office together being like, I miss you. I wish you were in the office with me. And, but I think we work so well together. And the, I think the people that we can honestly call our friends and family 
all over the world because of doing this has been something that I wouldn't have expected to come of it. But everything is made better by having Kev with me and our friends come with me. Like we, whether inevitably when we go to a trade show, something horrible happens when you're setting up, something doesn't arise. Something blows up. But we're always surrounded by amazing people in the industry and people that work with us that, you know, even when we're putting together wiring in a foreign country at like 3 a.m., we have beers together and we're all getting through it together. And then to go and celebrate those accomplishments where everyone's all, you know, we've been through like some really hard times and then it's all together. Like we got through it. Like there's really not quite anything like that. Very eclectic village. Yeah. (laughs) Interesting people that we we call our friends. Worldwide. Like anywhere we go, we have people that are rooting for us and are our our friends. They may be shaking their heads sometimes, but oh my God. But they're kind of along for the fun journey. And I think that is so unbelievably amazing that I definitely didn't think would come from this that mm. you just feel really, really lucky to have such amazing people around you at all times. Well, yeah. I think it's it's very cool. I mean, I can hear and hear the gratitude in your voices and I can feel it through the screen. Um, yeah, I mean, you're very grateful for everything that you've got. You're open and have learned from everything that's happened. I think... Uh, this has been a wonderful conversation. I am now rooting for you guys too. And <laughs> yeah, no, this has been awesome. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, this well, has been so yeah, nice. Been like really, I Yeah. Thank it you. Let us reflect a little bit, which yeah. is always nice to do. And you know, it's a really awesome. a worthwhile, like it's a good thing to do once in a while. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'm I'm very happy that you enjoyed the questions as far awesome. as you know, working with each other's strengths. It's my husband who's executive producer and, you know, the reporter and journalist that he is, I'm ha- I am have the thoughts and the ideas and the directions, and then he manages to put it all into these wonderful questions of words. So it's, it's uh, we have the same kind of working relationship. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, yeah. There's been moments of, you know, great oh, inspiration. Love- you know exactly yeah. where we're coming from as well then which is so cool yeah yeah it's uh i, I feel that. very blessed to have the relationship with matt that i do and so I, i'm i'm extra sensitive to uh to what you guys are feeling it's awesome oh, oh yay that's, that's so great. nice <laughs> well this well, has thanks been... for taking the time today it's been a lot of fun yeah no, love it. yes it has been fun it's a podcast filled with love <laughs> yeah. oh my god Awesome. All right. Well, you guys take care. Thank you. Bye. So there you have it. I have some great interviews lined up for future episodes, and we'll be covering some pretty interesting topics. As always, with the intent to open and engage the horse world on a wide variety of issues. So until next time, keep your eyes forward and continue to hit your stride. To stay current with Hitting Your Stride, subscribe on my website or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. If you like what you've heard here today, make sure you share and leave a comment to help guide future episodes and widen the audience. And be sure to check out social media to keep up to date with Equestrian Elements Life Coaching. 